Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be surprised. I got one thing before we wrap up. There was a little bit of a blow up on social media um, about a shuttle service that's going in. So hmm. I'll put a people going to again. People are going to get mad at me. They don't want people coming up here during the uh, the season. But I'll put a link in about this shuttle just in case anyone's interested. But oh, the foliage. It, well, what it is is it's a it's a bus system. So there's this guy. I guess he's been running these a little bit but there's a guy that's running a um a bus system from boston to falling waters trail <laughs> and then i guess they go to the highlands so they're basically oh, like load into this bus we're gonna drop you off in the morning at falling waters and you got eight hours to get back so t-shirt check um, but flip-flops check good good to go well Have fun. <laughs> I, it's so funny you say that because like jeff, so i don't know if you know jeff carter so um, yes. shout out to jeff but you know, somebody had said that exact same thing. They were like, oh, boy, the T-shirt and flip-flop crowd's going to come up. And Jeff had even <laughs> said, he was like, well, you know, given the price of it, maybe that'll that'll make people stay away a little bit. So I think it's like $55 oh. or whatever. But oh my for God. the, like, six weeks during the foliage season, there's going to be a shuttle where you can come up from Boston, and it'll drop you off at Falling Waters, and then you can do the loop if you want. My response to this stuff is always, it's never going to change. I don't go near those crowded areas during the fall, fall foliage or during the summer. Our goal here on the show is to hopefully highlight some areas that are a little less crowded. Like I was talking about like doing those AT section hikes. You know, there's not going to be a lot of people hiking between Hanover and Dartmouth Skiway. I'm not going to see too many people there, but it's a nice area. Mm. And the same with that section between Cube and Benton. Like th those areas, like I know that I'm not going to have to stress out about like seeing a bunch of people. Yeah. So same thing we were talking about with this Mowgli Trail. Like you're not going to see anybody out there. So if mm -hmm. you want to hike in an area where you're not going to deal with crowds, just listen to me and stop. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Or direct yeah. message us. I mean, we'll give you some pointers anytime. Feel free. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can give pointers. I, 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 I actually don't really. All I ever do is I like look on maps and mm -hmm. I start like poking around and then I'll find something where I kind of remember. Yeah. And then I'll start. Then I get in the groove and I'm like, all right, now I know where I can go. But I can't remember anything because <laughs> you're distracted. Yeah, yeah. I'm distracted. So. But oh my god, I hope uh, Jim Neeland from Fishing Game doesn't hear that story about that bus. You'll <laughs> live an aneurysm. Jeez. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. All right. So, Stump, have you ever been to uh, to Disney, Disney World, or Disneyland? No, not yet. No. Never you haven't? haven't? No, I haven't. No. And I, honestly, I, I have no interest. <laughs> what? Believe it you or not. not. You, don't like Di you don't like Disney? Uh, you know, now that I'm an older, curmudgeon, sarcastic, you know, I just think it, I just look at them as a big, giant corporate behemoth that owns a million companies all around the world and, ugh. Nah. No, I'm not into it, man. Especially with the COVID. I get I get that, but like the um, even like the most magical place on earth, like the amusement <laughs> parks. I know, I know you always talk about wheels, wheel tails, so I right. think you might like Disney. Uh, no, I mean when I was a kid, I was fascinated by it, but as an adult, I'm like, oh hell no. It's funny, my wife's going um, in October, I believe, and I think we might have talked about this a little bit, but she's so discouraged because of all the the COVID nonsense. You know, it's like you got to wear masks on rides, people. That should be fun. That makes scientific yeah. sense. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I was thinking about Disney just because I think later in the show we're going to talk a little bit more. So we've been getting people like coming out of the woodwork talking about this Mowgli um, Trail Mountain area. So I Good. just figured that's I would, great. I was kind of curious. I was like, I wonder if because I'm kind of a Disney nerd. Like I, I, I took the kids there a bunch of times when they were younger, and I've always been kind of into Disney. So I was just figured I'd ask. I never asked you. Mm. Yeah, not my cup of tea. But, do you uh, like amusement parks at all or do you, you oh sure you just, yeah um, i mean i just i can imagine like um i mean my last time at canopy for instance i i just can't imagine sitting in lines and it's just such a popular place disney and uh just lines and all that stuff is just uh, not my cup of tea yeah. that's all yeah yeah it's 
it's a big it's a big COVID party. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So now we know I'm a Disney nerd and you're not. <laughs> Pretty much. So it's good. We're figuring things out. Like I'm a dog person, you're a cat person. Yeah. Oh, speaking of cats, I um, <clears throat> there was a search at work the other day for one. There was a search party that had to be formed for the uh, therapy cat at work, and. Uh, it was hilarious. Like, patients were asking me, hey, are you part of the search party for the cats? <laughs> and they ultimately found the cat inside one of the laundry bins. So, I don't know how it got in there, but thankfully they found this cat. It's on one of the units at Grafton, and uh, cat's okay. But that could have been bad, yes. Was the cat, like, stuck in there, or was it just living its best life in there? Living its best life. It just dove in when nobody was looking, and which this cat is prone to do. He's very feisty. Name is Smokey, and uh, he's got a toot for sure, but he, I mean, he gets away with murder in this place. Always tries to escape. Every day, he gets out of the unit doors at least half a dozen times. It's a riot. What is a therapy cat? Isn't, isn't like their job to just let people pick it up and, and it yeah. just sits in your lap or whatever? Yeah, I call it that just, just for that fact. It's not like a licensed animal or anything like that. I mean, we have a got dog it. in the building that is licensed, I believe, but um, this cat is just the community cat. Um, yeah. But just being there is good therapy for the people. Yeah. Are you, um, your cats that you, that you and Mrs. Stomp own, are they... They're indoor cats, or do they go outside? Yeah, they're indoors, yeah. I, I've yeah. tried to talk my wife into letting a couple out, but she's just not having it. She's a helicopter cat. Crazy. She's a crazy helicopter cat lady. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. And she's a dog person, too. I mean, honestly, we'd love to get a dog, but I don't think it would be suitable for our schedules. Yeah, yeah. So the um, we were talking about that the basset. Uh, we were talking about basset hounds last week, and I yeah. Uh, we got we got some messages. So the I was trying to remember the name of this basset hound that had hiked all the four thousand footers. So the basset hound's name is Oscar, right? And I think I think the owner's got a, like a an Instagram page. So I will I'll link the Instagram account in case anybody wants to give Oscar a follow. But I think. I took a quick look at it, and it looks like Oscar's getting up there in, in years, which makes sense because I saw him probably three or four years ago, and um, I was probably about half. I think, matter of fact, Stomp, you were that was when we did that that hike up Valley Way to Madison with. That, um, that's when we were saw the dog. Crew. That's when we saw the dog, yeah. So okay. you, may, I remember we were sledding down Valley Way, but you might not have remembered it. You might, you might have been some. I, I we kind of separated a little bit there, so you may have missed him, but. That was when I saw Oscar, the uh, the amazing Basset Hound. So, hmm. the jacked Basset Hound. I, I'm yeah. dying to see this dog. Yeah, I can't imagine any other Basset Hound has actually climbed all the four thousand footers. So, I may reach out to the owner because I want to do an episode about hiking with dogs, and I can't imagine if this guy was able to train a Basset Hound to hike all the four thousand footers safely. I got to imagine he's probably like the foremost expert on. Hiking with dogs in in the northeast, I would guess. Well, especially with a dog like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your margin of error is like not uh, not very big when you got a dog that's legs are only like eight inches tall. <laughs> 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 yeah, it'd be fun to find out how they uh, how they do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one other thing, I, I want to get to the show intro, but one other thing that I did get is I got some questions from people about um we talk about the woodpecker studio and i think we've talked about this before but mm-hmm. people were asking about like i think some people think that the woodpecker studio is like a real like i mean i know that you've got a good <laughs> setup there but like they're like do you guys like borrow time at the woodpecker studio and i'm like uh, not really so i think just to, for the audience's sake like the woodpecker studio we have two of them we have the north studio in the cell studio so stomp studio is probably like the main woodpecker studio because he does all the audio editing mm-hmm. um and then um, it's basically our, our base i'm in the basement i don't know where you are basement basement You're dwellers basement. yep yeah. and i have the um the slider open and it's looking upon a quarter wood so it's pretty romantic i mean i'm i'm up near uh welsh dickey so it's just beautiful try to yeah. try to keep the air flowing while it's uh warm enough <laughs> winter's coming yeah 
Yeah, so Woodpecker Studio is nothing fancy. It's literally, I, and I'm sitting at a table with my, I basically work down in my basement, and uh, I just record the show down here, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, this studio setup over here is like pretty much top notch. I mean, I could do, you know, voiceover talent. I could do advertisements for you name it. I mean, this is like, it's a legit studio, so it's pretty cool. Uh, stuff I've dragged with me since... <laughs> God knows, like 30 years. <laughs> yeah, and you get it's the fun. audio editing skills. So if anybody wants to pay Stomp to do voiceover or audio editing, just hit them up. Yeah, that'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, any any sponsor or um, coffee stuff that you want to get out of the way? Yeah, we do. We have a couple donations from our web platform, Buy Me a Coffee, which is... Um, I believe buymeacoffee.com and then you could search for us slasher podcast S-L-A-S-R podcast um, Will donated three coffees Jennifer Rooks I think she's a, uh, a frequent fly with the donations she gave us three thank you very much Jennifer it's uh, very very generous and Sarah without an H it's S-A-R-A also got us three coffees and um of course, we want to thank Reckless Brewery in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. They are, they are our primary sponsor. Great food, great beer. Um, stop by if you can and support them. And um, Did you get a chance to go there? Weren't you talking about going? <clears throat> no, I just haven't had a chance. My life's sort of upside down right now. It's a long story. I won't get into it. <laughs> Ooh, wait a minute. That sounds interesting. All right. Maybe, maybe as the story matures, I'll I'll reveal what's happening in my crazy life. But all right, all right. <clears throat> that sounds yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, <laughs> we'll so, save yeah. that for episode twenty-five. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it for sponsors. And let's see. Yeah, that's it. No we tick jokes. Good to move on. No tick jokes, but I do have a couple hiking jokes if anybody's interested. Oh, Any sorry I asked. I mean, I have sorry a million dad jokes, but I'll save those. You know, you thought the tick jokes were bad. Hiking jokes are the absolute worst. I, I, they're just pathetic. I mean, the hiking community has to do a little better job with these jokes. I'll lay these two on you. Um, they're not even jokes. They're like statements or puns even. Uh, here, here it goes. <laughs> When going to the bathroom in the woods, you're going to use the facilities. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that. <laughs> how, how, what? And then here are the two jokes. How do crazy hikers get out of the forest? They take the psychopath. Oh. It, it's so okay. bad, right? Yeah. Here's, yeah. This is so the best one. Ready? This, I'll leave it with this. What do zombies eat while on a hike? Entrail mix. Oh yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so I, I think we've stooped to a lower point, even lower than the tick jokes with hiking jokes. Yeah. Sad to say. Yeah, well, I, I hope you get eaten by a wood devil next time. You're <laughs> oh my god! Did people comment on that online? That is the Everybody funniest loves thing the ever. Wood devils. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put together. So I'm working on a script for a. A Halloween show so I've been like gathering up a lot of like spooky New Hampshire stuff so if you know of I mean and I'm uncovering a fair amount of stuff so it should be pretty good but um, if you know anything anything creepy about New Hampshire um, definitely reach out to us slasher podcast at gmail.com or you can just comment on um, our Instagram or Facebook pages but um, yeah the wood devils Excellent. definitely that we'll, we'll talk about them again so, but you want, you want to do the show summary here? Yeah, let's get started. Oops, I said it early. Sorry. Can I say it twice? All right. So, well, yeah, you can say it twice. So tonight we were, so a little bit of a change in plan. So tonight, originally we were supposed to welcome Jeff Rogers back. Jeff was on episode 16 and uh, he was going to come back on to talk about uh, some more of his mountaineering adventures and also to do a wrap up of his sea kayaking adventure in the Northwest region of Alaska's coastline. Um, so he got back, I think, a week or two ago, but unfortunately he had to bail on us tonight. He's got some, I think he's a tech guy and he had some customer issues that he had to deal with from West Coast calls. So we're going to have him in next week. 
Um, so at this point, what me and Stomp decided to do is we'll probably do a shorter show tonight. Um, we've got some search and rescue stuff that we have to cover. We're going to talk about some recent hikes that Stomp has done. I haven't got out that much. And then we want to dig into a little bit more about that Mowgli Trail um, and the trail system that's between Newfound Lake and, and, and Mount Cardigan. And then I've got a couple of place name uh, White Mountain history topics to cover here. So it should be a good show. It'll be a little bit shorter than what we've been doing lately, but you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started for the second time. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> beer talk. You getting beer tonight? You, you no. doing margaritas? You doing wine? Yeah, you know what? I, after my hike today, I had I actually had a, a summer brew um, at the summit, and it was a... Um, uh, sorry, there's a little fly flying around here. Um, it was a Tuckerman's Brown Ale, which is delicious. Those are hard to find because Tuckerman's tends to push the uh, the IPA, but this was a Headwall Alt or something of that that name. Um, so that was really good, brown ale, German style. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, I'm I am wrecked. I can't wait to tell you about this hike today. So I'm having a margarita that my mommy nice. made. Thanks, mom. Oh, very cool. Nice. Well, it's <laughs> weird that you had said that you're having a brown ale because. I am. I've been on. I've been away. I've been doing college tours down in the Carolinas, so I haven't been hiking at all. But I also haven't been drinking at all. So I have like, I, I was. I think we were in Winnipesaukee or something. We had to buy beer for, for something about a month ago, and I'm still like finishing up the the beer that I have in my refrigerator. So I had like a mix pack from Smutty Nose mm-hmm. Brewery, yeah. and I'm drinking Old Brown Dog, which is an American brown ale. Right. So I almost never, I would never drink this in, unless I just had it in my refrigerator because I like IPAs, but this isn't bad. Yeah, yeah, I've had a few of those. Those are actually really tasty. Yeah, good stuff. It's not bad. Um, all right, so recent hikes. I haven't done anything. So I was down college touring in North Carolina, South Carolina and Virginia, and I didn't. I did some walks with my wife, but we didn't get to do any hiking down there, unfortunately. So um, mm-hmm. it's all on you, Stomp. Where you been? Well, a couple of days back, I did um, the Welch Dickey Loop, which is pretty cool. I, um, I think I did it in under like two hours, which is pretty fast for an old fart. Um, yep. Right? Am I right? Yeah, it's not I'm bad. Right. No, it's good. Yeah, I think it was like one five zero or something like that. I don't know. It was hot as hell, but it was fun. It's always good. That that trail is always awesome. And uh, just today, <clears throat> I did a an old abandoned trail that is dated back to the eighteen sixties. It's uh, called the Grand Traverse. Uh, well, well, before you get into the details, are we, are we going to get a bunch of people messaging us telling us we're giving away like all these secrets that we shouldn't be giving away? I got them already. Actually, okay, but um, I'm, I'm going to keep it sort of vague. And um, by the time you people hear this, whoever got to see the story today would have a better inkling as to what I'm talking about. But um, uh, oh well, <laughs> this is one of those places actually that is very close to my heart. It's it's absolutely beautiful, and um, I've spent the last like four years trying to flush out the trail because certain portions of it had disappeared. And, um, like the very first time I did it, I bushwhacked and stumbled upon the actual trail and had to do like reverse engineering to find the starting point. And then from there, it just became this obsession. I think I've been up there like probably five or six times. It's nine miles, um, when you factor in the ascent to the the start of the bushwhack. And then it's about, you know, six, six bushwhack and then two back down. So it's really neat. This time around, I was really determined to find the last quarter mile to half mile because that's where the trail would always just bug out and disappear. And this time around, it's, it's I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but somebody has gone up there and, you know, they took yellow paint and they started blazing and... Uh, sawing this wide trail all the way back up to the uh, the high point or the starting point of the northern end. So it's really interesting. You know, it's like I, I think part of their work that they did actually commingled with the actual earlier trail because I had some pictures of um, these ancient um, blazes. You know, really burnt out and washed out blazes. So yeah. anyway, long story short, for me it was like. Um, four years of work 
completed today. It's like the trail is complete and it's done. And um, if anybody's interested, you could certainly direct message me and I can give you some more detail. But um, yeah, so that was my day. Any? Um, so yeah, it's ahead. basically like you're. Uh, I haven't done any of this stuff, but basically you're you're finding like these abandoned trails that some pe- you know some people are using and. Um, it's probably not a good thing that somebody's blazing that out like that, but um, it is what it is. But we're not gonna we're not gonna give the details on where this is. People just gotta kind of do their own research. Is that what we're saying? Oh, Forest Service would be absolutely irate that somebody's friggin' chainsaw. It was it was a chainsaw. It wasn't a manual saw. This this is oh Jesus. Yeah. So basically, what you know, there were portions that I've bushwhacked on multiple occasions, and it would be a herd path, um, a fairly easily to follow herd path. And now it's legit like five feet wide and blazed, which is, you know, it's nice in a sense, but uh, it's it may be a little over the top. So I don't know who's involved with doing that or. What would you do, what would you do if you like were out there hiking and you saw like the perpetrator? <laughs> would, you con- would you confront them or would you just like run away? I think I would. I, would, to- I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'd re- re- I would probably not confront them because people are crazy and I'm scared of getting beat up, but. Yeah, people are sort of nuts. Um, I, I think I'd dig in with some questioning, like, hey, what you doing? What's this all about? Because my question when I saw it was, is it is it a historical effort? Is it tied to the original 1860 trail? And I don't have the answer for that, other than the fact that it did connect to, like I said, some older blazes. But, you know, um, who knows? Yeah, I guess we'll find out yeah. in time. Well, but. stay safe out there. I don't have a lot of experience with like abandoned trails. My only experience, and I think I've told you this before, is I use, um, I don't know if it's, I call it GIA, but I think it, people call it Gaia. So GIA GPS, G-A-I-A GPS. And yeah. my only experience with abandoned trails is I was hiking, so I was Early on when I was doing the starting the 52 with a view list, like consciously, I did Sandwich Dome and Jennings. And I came in from the Flat Pond Trail section. Mm-hmm. And there's a trail called Gleason Trail, which unfortunately, like uh, GIA has it, but it is it is listed as decommissioned on the, the GIA GPS app. But I didn't really pay attention to it so i was supposed to go up bennett street trail but i went up this old gleason trail and like the first quarter mile of it is you know i wasn't really paying much attention but it is you know pretty pretty obvious that it's a it's a trail but then as you get along there it's like all overgrown and like i had a hard time um Mm -hmm. figuring out where the trail was and there's moose droppings all over the place there there's moose dens all over that but i got pretty far up i think i got up to about the 30 33 3400 foot mark and i finally just was like i can't keep doing this and i cut over i just had to bushwhack over to the bennett street trail because it's not that far but that's about my only experience with like these old decommissioned trails so it's fun bless you for doing all that stuff yeah well if anybody's interested the um, franklin sites um has a section of abandoned or ancient you know historical lost trails that type of thing and um it's a it's a blast man you can you can have a good time finding some of these things and um i mean this adventure of mine was awesome it was just so much fun trying to find the old historical thing i mean to see to see a cairn from the 1860s is just mind blowing with all the moss growing on it and stuff like that. So, yeah, check it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Really neat. Um, and you know, I, like I said, people sometimes people get pissed about like, oh, you're not supposed to give away X, Y, and Z. But like, it's a hiking podcast. Like, I do pretty much standard hikes. So I'll. T- but your thing is like bushwhacking and finding these sort of out of the way places. So the. What else are we going to talk about? <laughs> I know, I know, and I think I've done this one tastefully. I mean, if you, if people are really, really curious, um, you'll find it. Just do some research. I mean, that's how I found this one. I was like gazing at the top of the summit, going, "I wonder if you could do that." <laughs> and sure enough, people did it a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So, but I haven't done any hiking. I'm getting up. I think I'm going to get up there um, 
Friday, Saturday, um, mm-hmm. Nobby had reached out to me, so I might I might connect with him and do something on Saturday. But oh, wow. I am doing some planning, so I have. I think I'm around. My, if, if you'd want to, yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, but my right now, I think for maybe Labor Day or the weekend after, I'm gonna wait till it gets a little bit cooler. I'm gonna do that big hike to close out the four thousand footers, the fifty two with the views, and the terrifying twenty five. So. Mm. Um, I just got to figure out a date for that, and I think I'm gonna. I got to figure out when my daughter can come come up back from school to do that with me, and uh, but I'll let you know on that. But that's gonna be Mount Pemico Asset to the Flume Slide, yeah, to Mount Flume, and then down Liberty, and then up to Lonesome Lake, and then finish on Cannon. So I'll do that in a single hike, which will close out all three lists. Which I think. If anybody's ever done this before, let me know. But I'm pretty sure, like, I've never seen, I've never heard of anybody else doing this type of finish. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it'll be a little bit unique. But, you know, if it isn't, it isn't. I don't, I don't really care. But um, it'll be nice to just get those get those lists done. Yeah. Hey, I have one other thing here before we dive in. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Steve Mason. Mason Adre- Adrenaline. I'm sure you, you know this guy, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. No, I see that guy's a pretty prolific hiker he is the thing i the thing i remember about him is that he's posted some crazy pictures like um on top of like the old man on the mountain and stuff so he's been everywhere yeah i gave him some full and one on the Lowell slide at one point and got to meet him in person and uh really nice kid uh that whole crew was pretty cool um but i was just chatting with him earlier because there was a post on his page and i got the impression that he was injured or something and he corrected me it's like no i'm just the opposite he he just completed a double prezi and a double extended Pemi loop. He is he just got a fastest known time for a super extended Pemi loop. Isn't that freaking amazing? So good work, Steve. Keep up the good work. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. What's yeah. A, what is a super extended Pemi loop? Well, that's when you're adding on that eastern section beyond uh, the bonds. So essentially, you're it goes from 33 to, I don't know, 40 to 50 miles or something like that. Are you that. doing like Willie, Tom, and Field in that whole I believe so. I, I believe so. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm prepared for that answer. Yeah, no, that's fine. But um, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's something to yeah, that, that effect. It tacks on a whole extra, you know, X amount of miles. But Yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy, but very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just very wanted to cool. add that in. Yeah, you know what you know what else I'm planning to. I'm actually for the fall. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking at the AT section of New Hampshire. I actually thought I had more done than I do, but I actually have a fair amount left. <laughs> I have to do. Um, I'm gonna try to. That's my next sort of like. I, I want to finish these lists. That'll be cool and all. Oh, but yeah. I'm kind of over the list at this point. But I want to finish the AT section, the New Hampshire AT, um, completely. So I have to do Hanover to Dartmouth Skiway, which is like. I don't know, 18 miles or something like that, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. And then I have to get the section after Mount Cube uh, to get into Benton. So basically from the I, – I did Cube and I finished there, so I have to go through that section between Cube and like before you get to Mount Musalaki, which I think is like a 10-mile section. Mm-hmm. And then the last section I need to close out is Beaver Brook – to the Kinsmans, I got to do that back section there by like Mount Wolf. Oh, dude, and that whole area there. So I haven't done I haven't done any of those. So it, I, I yeah. do have like forty miles left. I didn't realize how much I had left. Incredible! That stretch is notorious. <laughs> have fun. Yeah, yeah, but that'll be like if um, I always need to like have stuff to. I need to have a goal so that I'm not like figuring out where I'm going to hike like a day before I go hiking. So I've got this four thousand foot or fifty two with a view, terrifying twenty five thing. Then I've got um, some additional 52 with the views for the like the old list. Mm-hmm. I got to get the Royces and a few of those, and then I'm just going to pick a, pick away at these Appalachian Trail sections, and and some of them I can do in a day, and some of them I might have to do overnight. Yeah. Well, we might have a new long trail for you to do. <laughs> we'll talk yeah, about yeah. that we'll, in a bit. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that too as well. So seriously, um, I think there's potential here. Yeah, I think so. Um, but before we do that, so again, well, this is sort of like a um, abbreviated show. So I think we can probably move into um, search and rescue news, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about that Mowley Trail, and then we got a few other things, and then we'll we'll wrap up. So this won't be a super long show, but um, yeah, can I, I can do this 
yeah, first one. Yeah, you, sure. You do this? Yeah, I just wanted to set this up because it's really funny. We had um, two to three weeks ago, we had like, you know, five days in a row of cert, you know rescues and it was in the worst weather possible. And then all of a sudden it just went <clears throat> dead. <laughs> there's, there's been nothing. So uh, we're all waiting with bated breath for the next call. Yeah, so, yeah. There's it's so weird. These, um, yeah, the two White Mountain ones that we're going to do are not, uh, they're not too exciting, but we'll, we'll do them here. So anyway, um, Saturday, August 28th, 205. It's kind of, this is a kind of unique one. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire Fish and Game officers responded to a call for assistance on the Rattlesnake Island Trail on Lake Winnipesaukee in Alton. So you don't see too many search and rescues on those islands yeah. on Winnipesaukee. Um, so this was a, a lady from Maine. She was hiking the Rattlesnake Island Trail. She got up near the summit, slipped and fell, and uh, she was unable to bear weight and walk. So they called 911. Uh, Lakes Region and Gil- so um, Lakes Region Search and Rescue and then Guilford Fire Department responded to the call. Um, I guess Alton Fire Rescue has a boat, so they were able to um, get out there carry her down the trail and then boat her out so that she could get to a local hospital. So I think I was out in Winnipesaukee like a couple of weeks ago. It's been years since I've been out there, but there's a ton of different islands there. And I think I was on, I think we, we had boated by Bear Island. We went, we went past Governor's Island, but I don't know if we went near Rattlesnake Island, but I think all of these islands are pretty much the same. Like they're not like, not a lot of elevation. I think Mm. it's just like trails that you can walk on. So she might've she might have injured it pretty badly if she needed to call nine one one from there. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, some of the some of the people on the teams um, sort of wear it as a badge of honor. Um, like, oh yeah, I got to ride the cog. Oh yeah, I got to ride a snowmobile. Uh, whatever it may be, you know. So this is actually pretty cool for Lakes Region Search and Rescue. They got a a boat ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, it's you know, cool. the, the cog helps out. The, you get a boat ride on Winnipesaukee. I think. Remember we, when we were talking about Waterville has the snow cat? Yeah, which, right. Did you ride in that, or did did you? I you were in the parking lot. I was staging at the time, so I was like, "Go this way," and they went that way, yeah. which is pretty simple. But yeah, yeah. that so thing's eight, funny because it only goes like a mile an hour, very slow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> no, but anyway, so yeah. I, I never really thought about it like, you know, if you get injured hiking um, so them those islands on Winnipesaukee or anywhere else. Like, yeah, Winnipesaukee is a good place because there's a million boats there. So somebody's going to be able to get to you. Yeah, I guess that place is interesting. I mean, there's a lot of private property, which, uh, you know, I researched and uh, discovered. Um, yeah, I had no idea it even existed. I was familiar with Rattlesnake, the, you know, the peninsula hike uh, by Squam, but um, had no idea. Learn yeah, something Winnipesaukee's new. Winnipesaukee is quite a scene. I remember, I don't go there that often, but I did go a couple of weeks ago. My uh, my wife's cousin has a place up there, and we had a good time. But um, I didn't get a chance to explore any of the islands other than just driving by them in a boat, which was nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want, want to take this next one, Stomp? Sure. Let me pull it up here. So this is August 26th in Lyme, New Hampshire, at about 4.45, Fishing Game got a call for an injured hiker near the summit or at the summit of Smarts Mountain. A uh, 59-year-old hiker of South Dakota was hiking the AT to the summit of Smarts. As he approached the summit, tripped over another hiker's hammock and hit his head, which is no joke, on the cement base of a uh, fire tower. Another hiker called 911. Rescue personnel from Lyme. Fire and police, Hanover Fire, Tetford Fire Departments responded. Personal road ATVs to within 0.3, which is really handy. And um, they reached the hiker at 644, rendered aid. And I guess the hike was able to walk down to the ATV and then driven the rest of the way out, was, which is really helpful for injured people. And uh, got out by 830 to a ambulance that was waiting so what the heck is a hammock doing up there at Smarts? I'm trying I've never been up there. This, I'm trying to remember, I think. So I'm going to get in trouble for acting distracted, but I'm not distracted. <laughs> I'm like looking at... <laughs> I'm looking at a You're map You're always right so now. distracted. I'll just tell jokes until you're ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. So I think Smarts is... Um, 
it's part of the AT, so I think it's connected to Mount Cube, right? So if it's the mountain I'm thinking of, which I think it is, it is a um, fire tower. Mm-hmm. So there's a fire tower up there, and then um, next to the fire tower is a little, like, cabin. So I don't know. Maybe I think behind the – so there's the fire tower, then there's a cabin, and then in between there's definitely spots to hang, like when, when you do hammock – camping you, you call it hanging uh-huh. so i think um my guess is that somebody probably set their hammock up close to the fire tower and this guy just got tangled up on it somehow hmm. i wonder if he was like i wonder if they were like fighting with each other i mean uh, it looks like the guy was an at through hiker which it's pretty rare to see at through hikers get injured like that but yeah yeah it's true yeah but i don't know maybe he tied his uh hammock to the uh to the fire tower i'm not sure yeah it's a possibility yeah it's like um it's set up the same way i think it's it's got windows so it's all it's it's not like the one on kearsarge north like from a, a it's 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 like six stories tall so it's a lot taller and skinnier mm-hmm. but it's the same way as like you can actually get inside there and you could i guess in theory sleep up there if you wanted to yeah well i'll add it to the list yeah, well, hopefully this dude got back on trail and he's on his way to Katahdin now. Yeah, I've actually seen some people still heading north. I, <laughs> it's getting late in the season, I would think. Cause, yeah, because yeah, every day I I, another... I drive by, um, you know, the the high point of uh, Lost River every day, and I'm, I see people packed to the gills, and I, you know, I'm so curious, like, oh, are they still heading north? Wow. But who knows? Yeah, yeah they get a they get a hustle. So it says. Oh, yeah. um, it says they've got until October 15th. Oh, no, October 22nd is the planned close date, but Katahdin gives guidance to say that they strongly recommend AT hikers complete their summit prior to October 15th. So I think I, I was up there middle of October, and there was no snow. It was a beautiful day, so I, I don't know... Um, it's hit or miss, but you can definitely get hit with snow in early October and get up there. So. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway. Um, so now our stories take us out west. Do you want to take these or? Yeah, these yeah. So I, interesting ones. I pulled, yeah, yeah, I pulled this up because I was like, well, <laughs> she's from Connecticut, so it, it's, it's close enough. So I, <sighs> I picked up this new story. So Connecticut woman is sentenced for walking on thermal area in Yellowstone National Park. So this lady, she basically, she's 26 years old, uh, Hartford, Connecticut. She was sentenced to seven days in jail. So I don't know if she, like, did any time while she was waiting to get out on bail or not, so she probably has some credit. But she was sentenced to seven days in jail for walking on thermal grounds at Norris Geyser Basin in Yellowstone National Park. She also got fined $1,000... Um, and then she's got to pay like court fees as well as a thousand dollar community service payment to Yellowstone forever geological resource fund. So she appeared in front of a magistrate in Wyoming earlier this month. And uh, I guess she was with like two other people. They made their way onto this thermal pool and I've seen videos of it. I haven't been to Yellowstone, but basically it's all wooden walkways. So she and one other person got off the boardwalk that they were on and they were walking on the thermal ground. All these other people were, uh, you know, concerned about it. They were taking photos and videos of the three of them. Um, And for whatever reason, I don't know if she like, she refused to plead out. I don't know if the other person like, got in trouble as well or not, doesn't say here. But basically, for whatever reason, she had to face a judge and they put her in jail for seven days. And they basically just said that, um, you know, those boardwalks are protecting um, the visitors from these sort of delicate thermal formations. Uh, The ground's fragile and thin and it's very hot water that's just below the surface can can cause burns. So they don't want to get out there and have to help people out if they if they get injured or anything like that. So um, this, you know, she's 26 years old. She's not smart enough to know better. So hopefully she learned a lesson now. Yeah. But was she hot? That's a joke. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Luckily, she didn't get injured, but like she, she definitely, 
she's got her name in the paper. Um, she's got a record now. And, you know, from their perspective, they are not messing around out there because... Because oh, um, of the next story. Even though the, you know, the jail time may seem harsh, but um, it's better than getting injured. And I think that the main reason why they went after her is that this is the exact same place where one of my all-time favorite search and rescue stories happened. So when I saw this one, I was like, oh, I want to include this. So have you ever heard of this one before I, I, I shared it with you, Stomp? No, but it's genius. It's like right out of a movie. It's like the most <laughs> freaky thing ever. So um, so this, uh, this whole incident of the lady in Connecticut happened this year. Five years ago, there was a guy that actually died in the same location. And um, he died in pretty much the... Actually, I'm curious, Tom, what is your, if you were like going to pick a way to die, like what would be the worst way for you to die? Uh, probably hanging. I think that would be the worst way to go. Or drowning. You think? Yeah. I, I actually would, I, I th I'm intrigued by this method that we're about to read. I think this would be a quick way to go. Yeah, yeah. This is actually, I would, I would go this way. But for me, I'm always like, it's the buried alive for me is always the worst. Oh. So um, when I hear about the, uh, like, you know, avalanches and stuff like that, it freaks me out. But anyway, so this lady in Connecticut goes to jail for seven days for walking off of the boardwalk in Yellowstone. Same location five years prior, there was a 23-year-old um, gentleman by the name of, uh, let me see if we got his name here. Uh, Colin Scott. So he was with his sister. Mm -hmm. She's still alive. I can't imagine the Thanksgiving dinner is that comfortable for her with the family anymore. But basically, Colin and Sable Scott were walking along this Norris Geyser Basin back in June, and they got off the boardwalk, and Colin decided to approach one of the hot springs. Um, you know, and he went down, checked the temperature with his hand, um, as he bent down, according to his sister, he fell into the pool, which just so happens to contain not only some of the hottest water in the park, but also it's the most acidic water in the park. So the sister's like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. She freaks out. She calls search and rescue. The rangers were called out like right away. Um, he was dead by the time they got there. Mm -hmm. um, so his body sitting in the pool they couldn't recover him because not only does this guy slip and fall into like a, a pot of acid, but like a lightning storm rolls in right at the same time. So there's nothing that they can do. So they're like, well, we'll come back and get him the next day. They come back the next day and there's nothing mm -hmm. completely dissolved. The water was churning and acidic and there's nothing to be found to this guy. Mm -hmm. He just completely dissolved in the acid pit. That's incredible. So, normally I'd say maybe seven days is a little bit harsh for this other lady in Connecticut, but given what happened to this 23-year-old gentleman... She lucked out. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she lucked out. So I just wonder what the sister's up to. Like, I just am fascinated by, like, you know, is she still talking to the family? Are they, like... <laughs> I, I just always wonder what that dynamic is like. Yeah. <laughs> 121 degrees. Yeah. Wow. And 22 good. people are known to have died from Hot Springs-related injuries in that area. Huh. Who knew? Who knew? Wow. I mean, I, I was in um, I was in Iceland, so there was like thermal geysers and things like that. And I hiked, I hiked by myself in this area where um, there was geyser activity, but it was off trail a bit. And it mm -hmm. was like, I could see enough of it to know that like if I touched what was coming out of the ground there, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to end well. Like you wouldn't go near that. So I don't know what people are thinking by even messing around with this stuff. Yeah, right. It says here, so take this as a warning. Even if you think you're tough enough to ignore the warning signs and dip your toe into one of Yellowstone's bubbling thermal pools, it's not worth the risk. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> not worth it. Have you, you haven't been to the Yellowstone, have you? No, no, I have not. Yeah. Nope. I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm planning a trip out there soon, but that'd be amazing. I will not be going off the boardwalk. It's an active volcano, right? Yes. Yeah. Super yeah, volcano. They, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I've been reading about more or less from that place recently. Like there's all that talk of fear mongering about yeah. when's it going to blow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. That'd be wicked cool. Yeah. Thousand, mix it up a little bit. Thousand years of darkness. 
Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, so that's search and rescue news for uh, for this week, and uh, I think for this next segment here, we want to talk about um, this Mowgli Trail one more time. So, just as a refresher, so we had Martin Pisani on a couple of episodes ago, and then Stomp had wrapped up the show asking some questions about this this Mowgli Trail. So, we uncovered a little bit more detail around the fact that there's a camp by Newfound Lake that's connected with. Um, with the Jungle Book and Rudyard Kipling, who's the writer, and the, the camp got permission to use the character's name. So in that whole area from Newfound Lake all the way over to Mount Cardigan, um, there's different trail signs, and there is uh, a lot of interesting stuff. And we had a listener, Elisa Rhodes, that sent over some more uh, articles, including one about this camp is actually listed on the National Register of Historic Places, which is pretty cool. Um but I think, Stomp, what I wanted to do was just talk about, like, I think me and you need to do sort of this epic hike from Newfound Lake over to Cardigan. And I think we go over, like, there's Bear Mountain, mm-hmm. Mowgli Mountain, and Cardigan. And it looks like a pretty interesting trek to oh, do. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I saw the uh, the Mowgli signs. What is it, like a wolf um, on yep. Mount Cosby, which is just north of Newfound. Um, and... As you can do, you can do Plymouth as well. That's the second part of this, but um, I think there's a long trail for sure there. We can um, maybe just build it and do it. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, well, no, the, there's a good trail system there. So I think if we went from, um, you know, you could go either direction, but if you went from Newfound Lake all the way out to, um, you know, all the way out to Cardigan, it would be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And um, Steve Smith added some commentary on this. He said those trails with the wolf symbols were and in some cases are again maintained by Camp Mowgli. I've seen those on Crosby. I think they have kind of reinvigorated the old Plymouth Mountain Trail uh, from Pike Hill Road, which is the western side of Plymouth, which is it's a great hike. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It looks like about, um, I just don't know whether or not you could do like an overnight or something there, but it would be... Um, pretty interesting to see if there was i don't know what the camping rules are so don't nobody get mad at me if you're not allowed to camp i'm sorry i'm, I'm just speculating but it does look like you know well there's no tree it's line about a 12 really. or 13 mile hike yeah like like crosby uh plymouth there's really no tree line if that's what you're thinking it's all yeah, it's all yeah, so. wooded and then occasionally there's a ledge that pops out plenty of uh, good camping spots yeah, so it looks like a uh, it looks like a good one. So that may be a a fall adventure that me and Stomp are going to be be working on. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. yeah, if you guys do anything uh, Saturday, keep me posted. Kim, Definitely. Gimby's just sitting around waiting. <laughs> I always like I I keep thinking like that you're still injured with your hip. <laughs> you know. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Stomp, Stomp can't do anything anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely yells at me, but uh, yeah, I can do pretty much everything now. Modest miles. Very good. All right, well. Cool. We had talked about uh, Mount, so just moving on to the next subject here, I want to do a little bit of history here. Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we? You had mentioned Steve Mason doing Mount Lowell before. So I wanted to right. yeah, again. Be shoot. I'm going to be accused of being distracted, but I'm looking through my place name book here. So I wanted to just give you a summary. So, so just so everybody is a reminder, I think we talked about this in an early, early episode. But Stomp and uh, Jimmy Chaga and another one of our friends Casey had climbed the Mount Lowell Shoot, which is like don't any no one should ever do this hike because it's not a hike. It's just basically a free climb of a very dangerous and crusty slide that these idiots climbed. Yeah. Um, but Stomp, for, just for you, I wanted to give you a little bit of background on the history of Mount Lowell. So Mount Lowell is right across from Kerrigan, mm-hmm. um, and it was originally called Brick House Mountain, which I think is a, that, that's probably like the coolest name of a mountain <laughs> brick house. I've ever heard. I can't <laughs> believe there's cool. not a Brick House Mountain. Hmm. So it was originally called Brick House Mountain, and it's northeast of Kerrigan Notch, and it was renamed in 1869 by the New Hampshire Geographical Survey for Abner Lowell of Portland, Maine. I guess he was an old and enthusiastic explorer of the White Mountains. But 
I'm very disappointed that there's not a brick house mountain. I think that there needs to be a brick house mountain in the whites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can find some little bump somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, who was talking to me recently? I think it was uh, the teal goat. He was asking me about this little random peak south of uh, Wombeck. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't have a name. I, I, why don't you call it the, the teal goat or something like that? Yeah. There's some, some little bumps still available. He's earned it. Oh, he hell get, yeah. He could get a, uh, a peak named after him. <laughs> so um, you've hiked. So I remember you had talked about this. This is the next one I had. And then I got nothing after this. But So we may be ending quick. But um, Professor Rainer Edmonds. So you've climbed Edmonds Path before mm. on Eisenhower, right? Yes. Yep. Just recently, actually. So this, yeah, yeah. So this guy was the number one trail maker in the 1800s. So he was born in 1850. He was an MIT student. So he came when he was 18. He came to the White Mountains and stayed at Jefferson Highlands with um, some of his young friends. And um, they, I guess, Cascade Ravine. They they were responsible for naming some of the waterfalls on the route. He was involved. He was an early member of the AMC um, when it was founded in 1876, and he was uh, the president in 1886. And I guess his role in AMC. He was one of the trustees of the real estate. He was a professor at Harvard, so pretty interesting guy. But uh, what he's known for is his trail building in the Whites. Mm -hmm. So. Um, this. I guess he was out west in the Rockies in the, the late 1880s, and he liked their system of well-graded trails that the miners had created. So he came back to the White Mountains and wanted to set up a similar system of trails. So he went into Cas uh, Cascade Ravine, built a shelter there, and um, blazed a trail up the Emerald Tongue and um, this ridge, which he renamed Israel Ridge. So basically on that side, I've climbed Israel Ridge in the winter. Mm -hmm. So he built that. And then um, he was one of the original people that had created a system of cairns above Timberline where hikers could find their way. So he was one of the original people that had started building out these these cairns. And, um, you know, pretty interesting guy. Yeah, that's amazing. He, I guess, did some some pushback on logging operations that had messed up his trail system. And um, I guess he negotiated with the lumber barons to have uh, their loggers preserve some of these trails that he created. Um, you know, even when he was an old man, he was continuing to build trails. So he lived up until 1910. And um, just a year after basically building the final trail that was named after his name, which is Edmund's Path. So... Um, throughout his years in the White Mountains, he created uh, many trails um, that would make it possible for us to hike. So hmm. it's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah. Thank you, Professor. That was great. Yeah, yeah. And I can't take credit for this. So the, I'm, I'm mostly sort of ad-libbing off of the, this book called Place Names of the White Mountains, which is by Robert and Mary um, Julian, which is an interesting book. But mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting. That Israel Ridge Trail, like, it's interesting that this guy went out west, and then everybody always talks about how the trails out west are so much better because they've got switchbacks and whatnot. There wasn't any switchbacks when this guy was out there <laughs> because he didn't build any switchbacks. Right. He just went right up uh, these these ravines, <laughs> like, basically these trails off the side of the ravine. So Cascade Ravine is like... Um, <laughs> I think Castle, on one side is the Castle Trail, and then the other side is Israel Ridge. And both of those trails are absolute nightmares. Mm -hmm. They're like just straight grind up the up the edge of those ridges. Very similar to like how you would compare like Boot Spur and Lion's Head. It's just basically right on the the edge of those, those um, ravines is where they just cut the trails into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remember a few uh, episodes back with BB from Solo talking about the uh, <laughs> the spiritual persuasion of the uh, trail makers out here. <laughs> yeah, that was so yeah. funny. The yeah, masochists. Right, so. right. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Very good. So, anything else? 
this week? Not, Stop. not really. I think uh, start getting safety in your mind uh, when you head out there because, again, it's getting cold. The, the the light isn't as long. You know, bring your headlamps, your extra clothing. It's uh, definitely changing fast from uh, my point of view up here. And uh, we'll be talking about that, some fall safety and everything else. So, yeah, yeah, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of headlamp rescues oh, coming yeah. up. Yeah, I'm sure Everybody. that may be happening already. Just escorts and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, wouldn't be surprised. I got one thing before we wrap up. There was a little bit of a blow up on social media um, about a shuttle service that's going in. So hmm. I'll put a people going to again people going to get mad at me. They don't want people coming up here during the. Uh, the season, but I'll put a link in about this shuttle just in case anyone's interested. But oh, for foliage, it, well, what it is is it's a it's a bus system. So there's this guy. I guess he's been running these a little bit, but there's a guy that's running a um, a bus system from Boston to Falling Waters Trail, <laughs> and then I guess they go to the Highlands. So they're basically oh, like load into this bus. We're gonna drop you off in the morning at Falling Waters, and you got eight hours to get back. So t-shirt check, um, flip flops check. Good, good to go. Well, Have fun. <laughs> I, it's so funny you say that because, like, Jeff, so I don't know if you know Jeff Carter. So um, yes. shout out to Jeff. But you know, somebody had said that exact same thing. They were like, "Oh boy, the t-shirt and flip flop crowd's going to come up." And Jeff had even said he was like, "Well, you know, given the price of it, maybe that'll that'll make people stay away a little bit." So I think it's like fifty five dollars oh. or whatever. But oh my for God. The, like six weeks during the foliage season, there's going to be a shuttle where you can come up from Boston. And it'll drop you off at Falling Waters, and then you can do the loop if you want. My response to this stuff is always, it's never going to change. I don't go near those crowded areas during the fall, fall foliage or during the summer. Our goal here on the show is to hopefully highlight some areas that are a little less crowded. Like I was talking about like doing those AT section hikes. You know, there's not going to be a lot of people hiking between Hanover and Dartmouth Skiway. I'm not going to see too many people there, but it's a nice area. Mm. And the same with that section between Cube and Benton. Like, those areas, like, I know that I'm not going to have to stress out about, like, seeing a bunch of people. Yeah. So, same thing we were talking about with this Mowgli Trail. Like, you're not going to see anybody out there. So, if Mm -hmm. you want to hike in an area where you're not going to deal with crowds, just listen to me and stop. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Or direct message us. I mean, we'll give you some pointers anytime. Feel free. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can give pointers. I, 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 I don't actually, actually don't really. Uh, all I ever do is I like look on maps and mm-hmm. I start like poking around, and then I'll find something where I kind of remember. Yeah. And then I'll start. Then I get in the groove, and I'm like, all right, now I know where I can go. But I can't remember anything because <laughs> you're distracted. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm distracted. So. But oh my god, I hope uh, Jim Neeland from Fishing Game doesn't hear that story about that bus. <laughs> You'll live an aneurysm. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. Is he, um, we, uh, I kind of want him, I mean, he's such a great guy, but I want, I want him to retire so we can get him on the show someday. <laughs> Although I don't know if he would ever come on. But. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, you never know. Yeah, it's a possibility. But uh, cool. everybody has a great impersonation uh, of him, and uh, I could just imagine what he would be like if he found out that there was busloads of people getting dropped off at his favorite trail in the whites for rescues. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> That's we'll beautiful. I mean, it'll be content for us, but uh, it's been quiet. Hopefully it'll stay quiet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knock on wood, this is a short show, but next week we got, we'll have Jeff on. So he'll talk about his adventures with um, sea kayaking. He's got a story about Mount Fuji that I want to cover with him. And then he's got a lot of backcountry skiing stuff that he can talk about too. So it should be pretty good. And then um, we're working on a couple of other shows. So Mm. we'll keep cranking them out. You keep listening and uh, stay safe out there. Stomp wants to meet you, but not on a litter. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information on slasserpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until next time, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, 
Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.